Hey guys, and welcome to People Keep Dying, a podcast where we talk about people who die. My name is Angela. And I'm Stephanie. And today we're going to have some super long stories because we coordinated it that way. <laughs> I don't think we coordinated. Uh, I actually didn't anticipate my story being as long as it was, but at the same time, I also didn't anticipate last week being as short as it was. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, but now it's kind of happy it worked out that way because I was like, you know, people who are just like, I want to try this, you know, podcast for the first time. Let's start at episode three because it's only 38 minutes. Yeah, episode, there's some definite evolution, some equipment evolution going on between episodes one, two, and three. And four because we're working out our equipment now. Yeah, episode four... Hopefully, we'll be a little bit better than episode three. We apologize, guys. This is brand new to us. And if you can't tell the difference, then good. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) if people can't tell the difference between episode two and episode three, I'll be be shocked. Like, just shocked and appalled. So, today, I (laughs) I decided to cover um, this guy named David Russell Williams, who is a local-ish... He's not London, oh. but he is from Ontario, Ooh. and I thought, you know, my new home might as well cover our first serial killer, and he's barely serial. He killed two people, but still. It doesn't even classify as a serial killer then, because isn't it like it said, three? It says three, but some people say two, and some people say four, but as long as they take a break in between, okay. it counts. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... If someone kills someone at the age of 13 and then kills someone again at the age of 92. Yeah. Technically, they would be considered a serial killer. Like, consistency. And this guy, if he hadn't been caught, would definitely have killed someone else. Yeah. So I think he just got caught before he became too infamous, which is probably good. Okay. Okay. I'll try not to ruin your story because I have all these questions, but I'll... I need you to ask all of the questions. (laughs) And I have a picture and you're going to laugh really hard when you see the picture. Okay. So he was born David Russell Williams in Bromsgrove, England on March 7th, 1963. His family emigrated to Canada where he moved to Chalk River, Ontario. Do you know where Chalk's? No. You don't know where Chalk? You didn't even look it up? No. <laughs> I couldn't. I looked up where Ottawa was. All right. I'm going to look this up because I actually do want to know where Chalk River is. I'm going to guess it's closer to Toronto because he studied economics and political science at the University of Toronto, Scarborough, graduating with a Bachelor's of Arts in oh, 1986. Oh, it is not near Toronto. Is it close to Ottawa? It then? is not near Toronto at all. It's like, oh my God, where's Ottawa? It's not even near Ottawa. It's like between Ottawa and North Bay. I don't know where North Bay is. Oh my God, it is so north. Do you know where the Algonquin Park is? No. It is in northern, northern Ontario. But he went to University of Toronto. I know where Toronto is. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you knew where Toronto was. So I know something. And he graduated the year I was born. So... He's much older than me. Makes me feel really good. <laughs> On June 1st, 1991, he married Mary Elizabeth Harriman, who is an associate director of the Heart and Stroke Foundation of Canada. And I won't mention her again until the end because I didn't really bother looking any more information up. She's a spouse of a killer. Like, she deserves... Yeah, she had, 
her, her own privacy. privacy. Yeah, yeah, like she didn't kill these people unless she was involved. She's not. No. I mean, it's not that she's not an important. And like they weren't even person. living in the same house. Like he was living in two houses during this time. So like he because he worked for like the air forces. So he was in like two different locations. So. You know, come on. Couple moved to Orleans, a suburb of Ottawa, on July 2006. By then, he had been posted to the, to the Directorate of Air Requirements of National Defense Headquarters. David was regarded as a model military official over his 23-year career, which makes it even more terrifying because it's like, he's a guy you would trust. You know, he's like, he's in the army and it's like... For 23 years? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that that's a lot of time for being in the army yeah well he enrolled in the canadian forces in 1987 received his flying wings in 1990 and served two years as an instructor as the cfb portage la prairie manitoba was he killing anybody while he was a pilot like did he ever go to war or did he just become a pilot and then start instructing there was a whole bunch of information I didn't find very interesting about his career as an air pilot that I'm going to assume other people don't really care about either. He was a big deal pilot and a shining bright star of the military. That's what I wrote down. That's my answer. Okay. So all the so questions that I had about his... So all the questions I had about his pilot career are... Um, didn't look it up. Don't have any answers. That's fine. So They're not needed. It was just more. I wanted to know if he probably war, like did he kill anyone? Yeah, was he but killing I mean, anybody? Like, when, when you're when that far in... away, like an air pilot, and you're shooting people in the air, I, sometimes I feel like it's like a, more like a video game in comparison to like people, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, you don't know that he didn't like bomb children That's at true. some church. But it's like, Canada. Usually, you guys are all about like helping and stuff. This isn't like the American Air Forces where they actually go do that more often, right? Yeah, that's yeah. It was the thing. Like, I wasn't sure if he ever got sent out to anything because yeah. when when was this again? It was 1987 till 2010. Oh. Oh, okay. So it was like then, the whole time. I mean, it's possible he may yeah. have got stationed out there, but let's just go on the efforts or on the he mindset that he probably didn't. Probably wasn't I think killing he was an children. instructor. <laughs> yeah. He, he not yet. He does really weird things though. You're going to like this story. Um after, you know, his career or whatever, he was later found to have committed over 80 break-ins. Forensic psychologists have said that he's not a psychopath, but a man with a powerful sexual deviance coupled with a lack of empathy for his victims, but able to control his urges to avoid detection. Oh, sexual deviancy. Yeah. And what he does in these break-ins is what really sets him apart. And you're going to remember this from now on. Okay. His earliest known crime on September 2007 was was on September 2007, where he broke into the homes of his neighbors in the town of Tweed. And Tweed only has a population of 1,800 people. And it's next to Ottawa-ish, I want to say. Do you want me to look it up? <laughs> Probably. All right, I will look up Tweed. Let's, let's, let's fact check ourselves. I want to see. It's, um, I know it's next to Belleville. Oh, speaking of fact checking, you were right. They hadn't found the actual people that did the Tylenol murders. However, there was an arrest mm -hmm. and a conviction to someone who extorted 
the uh, Johnson and Johnson by claiming that he had done it. And he was going to stop. And he was going to stop if they gave him like a million dollars or something like that. He's just a big faker. Yeah. Yeah. So he was charged with extortion. I think I was getting those two things confused that there was an actual charge brought, but no one was found. I think it's a woman because women usually are less, they go undetected and are more likely to like not gloat. Well, there was a, they were going to do another inquisition into it, Mm -hmm. but Johnson and Johnson shut that shit down because they didn't want the bad press. No, they don't want this going on more. They want you to forget as soon as possible. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Uh, and Tweed is, I know it's like Sue Belleville, and I want to say Belleville's like more north than Toronto. Um, Belleville is more north of Toronto. It's Tweed is not near Ottawa. It is near Belleville. Belleville, okay, yeah. a little bit north of Belleville, which is that's like why northeast yeah. of Toronto. Yes. So the the family were friends with David, which he repaid by breaking into their home three times, including one instance where he took a picture of himself lying naked on the bed, masturbating with a red panty believed to have belonged to his neighbor's 12-year-old daughter. 14 of the photos he took that night show him with his penis protruding from stolen underwear. Do you remember this picture? So, Can you picture it? Because you've probably seen a picture of this guy. I don't... I honestly I'll show it to you, like, after. Yeah. Okay, so... The... so he moves Tweed and he breaks into his neighbor's house yep. for the twelve-year-old's underwear. underwear. And it was, and then he just he, he masturbates on it on her bed. Okay, <laughs> they okay. lots of pictures. Who? Lots of pictures. How did he? How did they? Were these photos found like later on, yes. and then they connected it back? No. Okay. They, after they caught him. Okay. Then they, then and then they connected they found it back. All okay. he has. Thousands of photos and tons of videos, which you shouldn't watch. I didn't watch them. Of just him masturbating in panties? As well as raping. Oh. Yes. Because he's a sicko. That's a call. Because I'm not allowed to call him a psychopath, apparently. But he is a sicko. Why can't you call him a psychopath? As well as these forensic psychologists say he's not a psychopath. That's what I was saying. I would definitely argue... If he has sexual deviancy that doesn't show empathy towards his victims, I mean, that's psychopathy. That's like, what I thought. 101. Yeah. Who the fuck is doing But at the same time, this forensic psychologist could have. I don't. This is 2010 when they started, like, really looking into this. So this is very recent, too. Yeah. Because so he got caught in 2010. That's. We're going to have to go back to the psychologist yeah. later on. <laughs> Even <laughs> though I didn't yeah. write their names down. <laughs> Anyways. Over the next two years, David would break into homes and steal, dress up, and masturbate in the clothes of women and girls, some as young as nine. Would the first photograph, like he would first photograph the bedroom of his victim, then the underwear, underwear in her dresser. He would then arrange the lingerie neatly on the bed or on the floor before modeling them and ejaculating. And then, okay, here's my question as to why he took the photo, or my theory, not my question. Here's my theory as to why he took the photo of the room and the drawer before he masturbated on them mm-hmm. was to ha- to know how to put it back. Now, did he, like, I don't know if you'll know this, did he fold them back up and put them back? No, but I don't know if he did, but... 
like a lot of them did go unnoticed like they didn't know until they found the photos that he had broken into his home but in some instances people did notice that someone might have come in but because nothing was stolen you just assume that maybe you're just kind of something like you just have a weird weird feeling feeling yeah i wonder what gave them the weird feeling because it sort of sounds like he was breaking in taking the photos to know what it needed to look like to put it back in place did whatever it is that he needed to do. And then, or maybe he just wants to relive these memories. Because he kept the photos. Yeah, but I can understand why he kept the photos of him in the underwear. And the videos of him doing the stuff. I don't know why he would have wanted the room. I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe. Who knows what this guy Why would okay. you wear someone's underwear? But, you know. Another ritual was to turn his back to the camera and peer back over his shoulder. There was also... <laughs> No, he didn't. Yes. No, he this didn't. This is a quote. I'm just picturing, I don't, like a duck face. Like, <laughs> yes. oh my God. There are okay. also many close-ups of his penis protruding from the woman's underwear. Protruding comes out a lot. <sighs> they needed to find some some new words for protruding. How, um, was he well endowed? Was he not? I think he was pretty average. I mean, like, I don't know, because like. I saw, like, I see him, like, in the underwear, but it's very distracting because he has, like, the bra on, too. And yeah. you're kind of more focused on that than, like, his I don't penis. know why I'm concerned about the size of his penis. Like, that matters at all to me. <laughs> other times, which you asked how, he, you know, they knew. Other times, he would leave messages for girls whose rooms he broke into. He Ooh. typed mercy into the computer of a preteen. Merci. Which is kind of terrifying because you come home and then it's like, oh my God, someone's been into my room. Someone also said mercy. What the fuck? If I came home and there was a mercy message on my computer, I'd be like, burned house down. Who the fuck? Well, first of all, I would have thought my brother wrote it. Like, yeah, that's true. I don't. I burned a house down. I think it's ghost. But like, could you imagine like going into your underwear drawer though and like, Bringing out a pair of panties and finding like crustiness all over them, like, uh, what would you do? What would you think at that moment that like your mom just didn't no do your laundry properly? Because I, I don't think I would immediately think. I would think like a cat in. did something to it, or I don't even know, or barfed on it. Like I think my mind would just go to like you never assume someone's ejaculating yeah. into your underwear. It's very rare. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that this is happening in a small town. Like, not yeah. even, you know, this is a small town behavior here. So he was quite the little lurky lurker. Yes. So all these photos were found by police after the arrest. Thousands of photos. There were photos of him lying in beds, surrounded by stuffed toys and panties of little girls, or of him wearing lingerie and camisoles. In all the photos, his expression was stern, as if on parade for inspection. He looks super serious in these photos because, you know, some of them get to get released. I need to see. I You get to see it after. I really want to see some of these because, like, and I know it's, like, you're never going to be able to unsee this shit, Stephanie. But, like, I just. It's almost kind of comedic. It's just, but, like. Because you think it's, like, it's, do you think it's, like, a comedian doing, like, a bit? You don't realize, like, this is a fucking killer. It does seem like. Uh, like you know, you know how Will Ferrell does like bits like that, where he'll dress up like a preteen or something, like on an SNL, and it's like a bit, so it's like, funny. It's like that. Well, Will Ferrell was not and, the one that I was gonna go. With. 
No, but you know how Will Ferrell has that really stern face? A lot of the other actors don't have like that very stern face like Will Ferrell does. Yeah. And it's the Because he always looks super serious no matter what role he plays, even if it's, you know, the most I don't ridiculous know. thing. I hate Will Ferrell. Like he is the fucking one of the worst I love for me. Him, so I don't know. Elf is my we disagree. Movie. <laughs> Anyways. Questionable tastes some people have. Not me, though. Not you. You have perfect taste. Perfect taste. That's why I'm sitting here wondering why, you know, some dude's masturbating in underwear. Because you have the perfect taste. <laughs> Between September 2007 and November 2009, David would commit a total of 87 break-ins of 48 houses in Tweed, Belleville region, and Ottawa. Which means that he repeated a lot of break-ins. Like that first and they house. know that only from the photos, right? Yes. So it is possible that he did break into more. And they guess yeah. that they would know the... And then they would also have the dates and stuff from the timestamps time on the, the videos. So that's how... Yeah. Oh, man. He was very... Could you imagine being those girls, though? Oh, my God. I hope... Like, how could helps. you... How could you possibly ha- feel safe ever again? Ever again after you find out that some neighbor was breaking into your house for years masturbating into your underwear? I mean, I probably would stop wearing underwear in general. I'd probably just I'd have locks. I'd have locks on every drawer. Get a lot of dogs. What if if your fucking neighbor likes your dog? Like, your dog likes your neighbor, though. Like, But, like, I know... Dogs don't always secure anything, either. I know that, like, if we're not home, like, our dog Penny, when we're not home, she'll go into full rage mode if someone comes comes to her door. She doesn't know. So even if she likes you, she has to have known you for her to be comfortable. Yeah, I guess you could probably feel a little bit safer with dogs. A lot of dogs. Yeah. The majority of break-ins were undetected. Obviously. So also unreported. By July 2009. Because they didn't steal anything. So, no. I mean, why, how could, why would you report anything? Or if your underwear is stolen, you don't really think about it. Because who keeps who, track of your yeah. underwear? The only reason why I know how much underwear I have is because I have one of those little, like, nine oh. uh, cube, like, nine little square cube yeah. things. And I just, like, roll my underwear and put them in. So I know I'll have nine underwear. <laughs> like, <laughs> I for sure don't know how many I have. So I, if someone, like, took one, I would not notice. Um, by July 2009, he was in full escalation mode, which means that he's going to start doing way crazier things. Okay. So 2007 is when he starts breaking into the houses. Yes. And then in 2009. That's not good enough for him anymore. That's not good. Well, I mean, it, it rarely ever is. No. Someone, he needs to basically need to be stopped. But there caught. wasn't anything before 2007. No. That's that I could so see. bizarre. I wonder what his trigger was. Yeah, because it's not like he had children. So well, he probably yeah. I mean, I w- or maybe he had done, but he just was better like at hiding. Maybe he it. wasn't taking cam pictures at the time. Yeah, like maybe cameras. Maybe pictures were well. Two thousand seven. Their cameras were pretty. Small yeah, back but then I mean, too. like he was busy with work. Yeah, because he is an air force man and he works for the Royal Canadian Forces. I mean, it's just, it's such a bizarre thing to just like all of a sudden like start doing. So either he was doing something beforehand that absolutely nobody knows about mm-hmm. or there was like a weird trigger. He, he, there had Someone to have, died. Somewhat, something had to have happened. People don't just like start breaking in. I feel like randomly. he might have already been breaking in, but it was like every once in a while, but then he like got like maybe got to an age and he just like got... The urge was too it's just so it's too specific to be developing that 
Because when was he born again? In the 60s? 63. So the dude's like in his 30s. If he was going to be masturbating into like his underwear, it was probably his sister's or his mom's when he was like seven years old. It's very possible. But there's no proof of it. It's pics or it didn't happen. This is all Stephanie's fake news because I just like creating a more well-rounded story. Even though it could just literally (laughs) just be like he just started. He just really liked the neighbor girl. Maybe he hit his head really hard and then... Could have said his head, could have met that little, he maybe just really liked that 12 year old and she was the trigger. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. Not to blame her. I'm not victim blaming. It's just. Fortunately, their name was not available, which is very good because I'm glad. Good for them. Canada is really good at not. The only names I found were people who were murdered. Do you want to know why? Canada has a very strict policy about minor vict- minors who are good. victims who are minors. Good. Um, you should about never know. not putting their name in the media at all. Good. The names cannot be put in the media unless it's court ordered mm-hmm. to be put into the media. Like and then even then, and in order for it to be court ordered, the victim has to request for their name to get put into the media. And then even then the judge can say no. Wow. So for a victim's name to, for a Canadian minor's victim named Tan up in, in the media is like a big, a big deal. Like they were murdered. Yeah. But yeah. even then, I don't even... Maybe. Yeah, I'm not really sure about that. Because it's like respect for the families. I think, I think if they're murdered, it comes down to the family. I think the yeah. family's maybe allowed to um, talk about it. Fortunately, he didn't murder anyone under the age of 18. Oh, well, I mean... Good, good for the girls that weren't, weren't murdered. murdered. And I'm so sorry for the ones that were. Well, it's not like his victims were all really young either, as you'll see, which is really. He so had, he he didn't even have like a particular. Like no. he, it's not even like he was into the twelve to like young girls. No, he was just into pussy. Like yeah, he was just into women, <laughs> just in general, didn't matter. And interesting. At this time, he hid outside a neighbor's home house in Tweed waiting for a young woman to get in the shower. At around 1.30, David stripped naked, broke into the home, and stole some of her underwear. But he didn't confront her during this time. It's just It was when like he just took more of a risk before he would just break into homes when no one was there. But this is his first time of him breaking into a home when someone was actually at home. Like, he waited for her to go into the shower. Did he record? Like... I'm not sure. Like, I think he, he's that, that telling one, that, yeah. but I don't know if he also took, he might have taken pictures. Maybe he record, recorded her in the shower. Yeah, that's also possible maybe, too. Possibly, maybe. I didn't want to look for her videos. Yeah. It just felt very disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, that's... Ugh. In another instance, he waited outside a teenager's window for her to undress while he looked on, stripped naked, and masturbated. I definitely think he's... Now I'm starting to get the feeling that he's recording himself. Like he has yeah. a camera. He's either for him to have filming this much it into the window or he has set it up where the camera is recording him, him doing it, which is possible because he does have thousands of photos. And he lives with it. Yeah. So by wow. September 17th, looking for more stimulation, he entered a home of a 21-year-old woman near Tweed as she was asleep. He woke her with a blow to the head and subdued her. He struck her several more times before he bound her hands and covered her face with a pillowcase. She told police, because she did survive, that David pulled aside her tank top, fondled her breasts, and photographed her naked. Then he took some lingerie, a baby blanket, and left. A baby blanket? But this wasn't Tweed, so I'm going to assume that she must have been blindfolded, because there's only 1,800 people in that town. So she, like, you know, she would know who he was. 
I mean, he put a, he hit her in the head and then put a pillowcase over her face. I don't think yeah. she probably like, I don't think she would have been able to see if yeah. you like, if you were, I am, my hat goes off to anyone who can remember anything, anything. in a fucking traumatic event. So, uh, I mean, it's possible that maybe she just saw, she could only be like it was just a guy just who a guy. had yeah. like this hair or he like and she was Probably just like i didn't anything. see anything yeah because she got hit in the head i thought it was weird that he took a baby blanket though yeah the baby blanket's a little odd yeah um did she have a baby or was it her baby blanket they didn't say do they give you no information That's about her fucking but i think so it's bizarre. her bla- baby blanket because she's only 21 well i guess 21 year olds could have a baby but yeah that's so well. I mean, like that's such a weird thing to take as a baby blanket. Yeah. Anyways, on September thirtieth, he broke into a home of a forty-six-year-old mother of three in Tweed who Ooh. was asleep in front of her TV, which is why I said he didn't really seem to have an age preference because she's forty-six. Yeah, but he might have been going for the kids. No, but he didn't do anything for the kids. He punched her and wrapped her in a blanket. He tied her up, blindfolded her, and controlled her for three and a half hours. So that's not for kids. That's just for her. Yeah, but okay, yeah. During this time, he fondled her, took photos, and at one point pulled a knife and cut her clothes off. After taking more photos, he went across the street to his cottage. So he literally lived across the street from this lady. This was the third and final time he broke into her home, which was kind of terrifying because that means he's broken into her home. Okay, so he had already broken into her home two times before? Yeah. So he, like, reconned first because, yeah, he did have 82 break-ins previously. And there's only 1,800 people in the whole town. So he was looking for specifically people who lived alone. So I, I'm going to guess that she didn't have a husband. Like, she was a single mother. And then this next person also seemed older. I didn't look up her age, unfortunately. But she, on November 16, 2009, David broke into the home of Corporal Marie France Comwe, I don't know, that's French, a military flight attendant. C-O-M-O. Camo? Camo. So Corporal Marie Franz Camo. He confirmed that she lived alone with her two cats, took some pictures of himself in her underwear, and then left. He returned eight days later and hid in her basement for half an hour. He then attacked her with a flashlight, knocked her out, found her, covered her mouth with duct tape, took some photos, and dragged her up to the bedroom. Then he set up a video camera and filmed as he repeatedly raped her because, yep, he's a piece of shit. Okay, so let's just reverse a little. So the first so the first girl gets hit in the head and her breast fondled. Mm-hmm. Then the second woman, she gets got hit. murdered? The, the second woman gets fondled as well. Oh, so she gets fondled and then she gets beaten. Three, yeah, for three and, and a half hours for, is yeah. controlled. So I didn't know if controlled also meant rape and they're trying to like you know, not make it seem, make her life miserable by writing that down. What happened I mean, to her. maybe controlled means that she did things to him. Yeah, maybe, but. Controlled is a little odd. Yeah. That's some odd word choicing. She repeatedly begged for her life, which led him to put duct tape over her nose, which led to her suffocating to death, which seemed like maybe More he would did it. Yeah, it was an accident, but then he got off on it. David then cleaned up and drove to Ottawa for a meeting. On January 28th, Jessica Lloyd, 27, went missing. Investigators found distinctive tire marks left in the snow near her home. 
and they also found that David and Jessica were not previously acquainted. Was this the first one where he wasn't acquainted? Because it's sort of seeming like it's all neighbors. It does seem the like they're all neighbors, but In I close think... close quarters. Even when an 1,800-person like town, you can still not know someone. Like, you know, okay, there's that person, yeah. but you don't know who they are. You see them around. David said he noticed her on a treadmill on January 27th, 2010, which is crazy because it's like he actually remembers the specific date of knowing, but he seems very meticulous for he sure. Se- like, it seems like something where, like, he was somewhere and he saw her. Yeah. And then it was like, I have to have her. Yeah. And that's what happened. Um, so it's, he may have not known the specific date, but they may have, like the yeah. police may have. Well, it was, vi- uh, it was the very, ne- I guess, you know what? Yeah. It's the very next day, yeah. which is when he did all the stuff. Yeah. So while Jessica was out visiting a friend, David broke into her home to confirm that she lived alone. Cause that's his MO. Yeah. On January 28th, Jessica texted her friend in the evening, which was the last anyone heard from her. David parked in the field that night, watching the back of the home. After she was asleep, David broke in and entered her bedroom. She woke up before he struck her. David tied Jessica up in her stomach and closed her eyes with duct tape. He took photos of her standing in the hallway wearing what she had worn to bed, a black tank top and gray jogging pants. There was way more information for this one only because I think I looked up like the actual police report. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also his, it's his first, well, I haven't heard how she dies, but I'm going to say that this is her for his first murder. Yeah. The act, real. The, the, yeah. The one before I feel is more, it was, pro, it wasn't an intent. I don't think he intended to kill her. I think it was a byproduct. But then and for sure, if he hadn't gotten caught, he would have done it again. Because this one was way more intentional. And Well, because now he's left to... Well, because the first one, he left behind a witness. Yeah. And the second one, he didn't leave behind a witness. But I don't necessarily think it was on purpose. Although, probably, if you put duct tape over their mouth and their nose, you'd assume... Yeah, probably just to get her to stop crying, like, scream, Like, I don't know. Yeah. I've never duct taped somebody's face, no, so I don't. I've never done that I don't know if like it's one piece would cover both, or if it was multiple pieces. Well, it or seemed whatever, like he had already duct taped her mouth closed, but then he also duct taped her nose because she was being too noisy. But I'm like, you know, then you would assume that they're gonna die. Like you duct take someone's He's not air. worried about. I guess not. He's not worried about that. They were brought lamps from other rooms in the home to better light the, his images because oh, he's fucking fucko. He was making. Oh he God. was making it. Yeah, he was making his own fucking sick snuff photography. Film. Yeah. His snuff film. Around two a.m., he took video of raping her, which makes sense because there would be a timestamp on the videos. Yeah. Jessica complied to everything David asked her to do, but it didn't matter because he's a fucking asshole. She apologized and cooperated the best she could, hoping the compliance would let, let her live. So whenever she did something wrong, she would actually apologize because you hope that this isn't going to lead to murder. Yeah. After three hours, David took Jessica to his truck and to his Tweed home. So he took her to her second location. They arrived in Tweed between 4.30 and 5 a.m. David let her sleep for a few hours, which at some point she had a stress-triggered seizure. She said that she was sick and you have to take me to the hospital or I'm going to die. This is all on film because she died, right? Well, this is what he said that she was saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is after he had been caught and he was telling the cops. As she convulsed, David told her to relax and not bite her tongue while she begged again for him to take her to the hospital. Oh, she's faking. 
The oh, last thing she said was, if I die, will you make sure that my mom knows that I love her? <laughs> yeah. At 8 p.m., almost 20 hours after she he first attacked her, he took her um, back to her home. And Well, he said he was going to take her back to her, her home. So as she began to walk, he struck her over to have a flashlight, and believing she was unconscious, he strangled her with a rope and photographed her. So then he killed her. He told her that I'm going to take you home, but he never said how he was going to take her home. Did he actually take her home? Yes. Well, no, actually, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he does. Where does he leave the body? So he wraps her body in a blanket and left it in his garage. What? Then he drove back to his base, flew the following morning to Ottawa to spend the rest of the weekend in his home in Ottawa with his wife. Because he lived in Tweed because of the base where he was, you know. Yeah. Stationed that was in Tweed, but he lived. His wife lived in Ottawa because that's where she worked. So he flew over to Ottawa for the weekend. Then he returned to Tweed the following Tuesday, February second, and disposed of the body in a wooded area not far from his home, sometime around midnight. She was rather popular, so her disappearance was noticeable in town. Well, she's not like some like you know older lady who like lives alone and doesn't talk to anyone. No, she's, she's a like hot, a twenty-seven-year-old you know she's a pretty hot girl. Girl, yeah. that goes to the gym, who probably has gym friends, who probably has a job, yeah, who probably has lots of friends. And like she's missing for a weekend, people usually don't notice because she is like a little younger. But after like Tuesday, you're like, what the hell? She's missing. Yeah, after a week. Yeah, on February fourth which is a Thursday, they erected, the police erected a roadblock on Highway 37, which connects Belleville and Tweed. This stop included David's because they stopped every single car going that way, and which was very fortunate because he has two cars, which is a Pathfinder and a BMW. But that day, he was driving his Pathfinder, which is the car he used when he kidnapped her okay. and murdered her. So the tires on his vehicle matched the ones they found at her home. David admitted to driving that route, but said he didn't know who she was. The OPP followed well, him. I mean, and I think he could probably get away with that because he didn't, he just saw her at the gym. Yeah. The OPP followed him because, you know, the, tr- the treadmill still matched yeah. and it's only 1,800 people. Like, there can't be yeah. that many people. He's a suspect. Yeah. Drove him to, like, followed him to a car wash where he cleaned and vacuumed his car. So they seized the contents of that vacuum. Of course they did. Yeah. So they, they, like, very soon after the murder did seem to have, like, they did a really good job. On February 7th, 2010, which is, yeah, only three days after the whole car wash incident. Okay. The OPP invited David in for questioning. David first Invited him. Yeah. (laughs) David first seemed worried that his questioning would embarrass both him and the Canadian forces. Of course. This dude's got like a fucking ego. Yeah. He doesn't actually think he's going to get caught, right? Yeah. He got away with breaking and entering for a while. He should have just stuck to that, bud. They match his tire prints and shoe prints and tell him that the search warrant has been executed so his wife was now clued in. Because he was very worried from the beginning of the interrogation that his wife would find out. Because mm-hmm. he did really care about what she thought. Which makes it seem like she had obviously had no idea. But she, very rarely they're clued in. I sort of feel like she, she knew a little. She Where like if she was to find out something, it would be like... Click, 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 click. Everything in her head would like click and make sense, and then he, she would be his ruin type deal. You or know I mean? maybe she's also like, or super maybe he busy. did love her. 
Yeah, or maybe yeah. Like, uh, it, I mean, does it seem much? like I don't I don't really know if like people like this can really love someone sometimes. Yeah, it, well, it depends on if they're a psychopath or not. Yeah. Which apparently we're not lacks empathy. Yeah. After interrogation, he showed the map where Jessica's body was, as well as the fact that he had video and photographic evidence of his other crimes in his Ottawa home. Oh, that's why he didn't want his wife to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't, yeah. Because she's taken for everything he has. Yeah, because right now he's thinking total, like, oh shit, like, everything's ruined. Yeah. Like, my whole life is ruined. Well, he shouldn't have fucking murdered people and also, like, Yeah, sorry, you were a creep. Homes. I can't believe he told them that he had video and stuff. I think, like, you, you see those interrogation videos, and they're so fucking long. And at a certain point, you just break shit as a person. You just, yeah. He knew. Know. He knew he was caught, and there was a lot of circumstantial evidence against him. And as soon as that search warrant was yeah, sent they would have known. Like, yeah, they would have known immediately. Yeah, they would have found all of his video and stuff. So she had a third house. On September 2010, David pled guilty to all charges against him. And on October 21st, 2010, he was sentenced to two life sentences. What all was he charged with? Just the two murders. Just the two murders? Yeah. None of the breaking and entering? No. I don't think they're like, they were really focused Statute on that. Statute of limitations, comparison. probably. Yeah. And let's be for, well, that's not true either because those happened in like 2007. This was 2010. Yeah, so statute of limitations yeah. wouldn't be up, but I guess they didn't, didn't care. Yeah, because like, there wasn't any jail. damage. Yeah, and there wasn't any damage. Done. Well, the rapes, like I guess they weren't the, uh, the previous ones weren't rapes though either. They were like fondling of the breasts. So then uh, that was also like yeah, yeah. They would have added like a couple months to it. Let's be for real. So yeah. they're just like it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. We want the murder charges. Yeah, they just added those stories up to really get him. The victim's family sued David and his wife, who, who which were settled out of court. By the way, he still gets a pension, $60,000 a year. He get, yes, he does. How? When you go to jail, you no longer get that. So what it said. Go, so it go, does it go to his wife? I don't know. Well, they're, they're divorced. Or they're, on December 2010, his wife, Mary Elizabeth, began processing a filing for divorce. Together, we request to have any of her financial medical information sealed by the court. So I'm assuming it goes to him. He doesn't, he got like all of his ranks and commissions and awards were stripped. His uniform was burnt. His medals were destroyed and his vehicle was crushed and scrapped. And I was reading that he doesn't get obviously any severance pay from the armed forces, but he does get a pension, which I thought was super interesting. I feel like the pension probably is going to the wife. Yeah. I would suspect that because I am 95% certain that when you go to jail, you don't get, like, you don't get your pension anymore. Even if you're divorced? If she divorces him, does he... It may have been, it may have been something in the proceedings yeah. where, like, you know, um, I won't do any of this if you do this. Yeah. And so she gets to keep... Or she doesn't want to get sued any further by the other families because she could also be a yeah because she likely... divorced she divorced him to keep her medical and financial information yeah. sealed then yeah uh, I would she, not she be... was probably very much a victim the same way as, yeah like, she very yeah. much was like she wasn't part of this and her fucking world got turned upside down so I, no I would not be at all shocked if there is a pension but it's going to the wife I do not think it's going to him I do not think Canada 
is that dumb? <laughs> I hope not, but I don't. I, they don't really deal with a lot of killers. In yeah, comparison. but I mean, like he has two life sentences. He's not getting out of jail. Yeah, so like, what? Like, where is that money going? Hopefully, back to the armed forces. Like, they don't have to pay out ever. What's he getting? Like his ten dollars dividend for his jailhouse cigarettes? Like I don't. Know. He currently is serving his sentence at Port Cartier Institution, a maximum security prison in Port Cartier, Quebec. Is it Quebec? He didn't even get put in Kingston? He was held in Kingston, but then he's serving his sentence there. So, you know, like when they hold you for a little bit? Yeah, I just, I assumed that Kingston was, like, it's weird that he got sent to Quebec for Ontario murders. That's what I thought was interesting too, but I didn't know if, like, you had different rules here. But you want to see his picture? Yes, I do. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, he doesn't look at all what I, like I was expecting. Yeah. That is an army face. Do you know he has like a he has a like a, a detective stabler Al Bundy face. Yeah. Look, look at But the hairstyle is Jason Statham. Like Okay, yeah, Jason Statham. Yeah. yeah. He, that's that's <laughs> That's the head part. Oh but my in God. like a black brazier and velvet. Red, I mean the velvet red pennies panties. panties is great. Now Who's taking the photo? I think he puts him on like a timer and then he walks over. Okay. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah. 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 I will definitely agree that there is some sexual deviancy, but I am still in the mindset that he is a psychopath. Yeah. And I'm a hundred percent certain that if they didn't catch him immediately after that, he would have definitely gone and murdered someone else. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For like, sure. If he's not considered a serial killer, he should be because he would one hundred percent would have been. Like he escalated like he escalated so, so quickly much in yeah. that last one. Yeah. Like not only not only did he find someone outside, like he followed her home from mm-hmm. the gym. So you could only imagine that there'd be security cameras. I don't know if it was like it was in the gym or if she has a treadmill at home and then she was like, you know, one of those people who like have a treadmill in front of a window. No. <laughs> There's like weird people who have like treadmills in front of windows and then they're weird. I like to believe that he was like out followed being, her. Like out getting a hot dog. And he was just like walking down the street and she was on the treadmill in front of like at the gym. And he saw her and was like, oh, I man, gotta, that's gotta it. And then the that's next it. day went for it, which is yeah. really gross. And it was like the next day he went for it, which is really quick, to be able to break into her house mm-hmm. within 24 hours. And then play with her like that, like play with her emotions. Like obviously physically really fucked her up, but also emotionally played with her, like letting her think that she was going to escape. And then he took her from her home. hmm to his home. Yeah. Which is something that he's never done. Mm-hmm. And he played with her. And I think he was probably going for like the, maybe like the girlfriend experience. Yeah. Like in his home, he was trying to like make it more personal. Yeah. He never intended for her to leave. Like he intended no. for her to kill, for for him, him to kill her. Because like he brought her into a, his home. So now yeah. his DNA is all over this house. How the fuck did they not get his DNA in the other houses? I'm not sure. Even if they have his DNA, it has to be in a database, right? He would have been in a database. He would have been in like the the, the uh, army database, but maybe not the criminal one. So. Yeah. Because there's like yeah. all these different databases. So. And honestly, there shouldn't be. Yeah. It should be a one database and they should all go together. I was really like, 
I guess, messed up when I first read it because I thought he worked for the RCMP, which is like the equivalent of the FBI in America for mm-hmm. people who don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I thought he was an RCMP, which would have been way more fucked up because you expect someone with that much authority. So I guess like Air Force is a little better, but he was like a colonel. So he was like a big deal Air Force guy. Yeah, he was doing... He was doing lots of shit. And like with that much authority too. And like you just trust someone usually when you see a uniform, which you shouldn't, but you do. In so. my experience... The most trashiest of men who just do trash things like rape women and stuff, they usually do put themselves into positions um, with power mm-hmm. uh, so that people won't suspect them. That's true. Like if you're a pillar in the neighborhood. If you're smart, I guess. If you're also smart and, yeah. Yeah, because you're going to learn. He probably learned early on. Because I'm still under the impression that he started doing this shit real young. He probably learned really on, like, you can't tell anybody about this stuff. Like, this is no. shit that you, he, he, someone probably found out. It probably became a big deal. Um, he was probably shamed about it, blah, blah, blah. And he probably kept that shit secret for a really, really long time. I wouldn't even be surprised if there were other Polaroids and stuff that he had prior to 2007 or, well, whatever the first photos were that they and maybe they found. couldn't track down the victims so they just didn't yeah. really want to they don't want to release all that information either because if you don't know sometimes it's better that you don't know that you were violated that way because uh that's a that's a very iffy that's gray a very area. a really gray area as yeah. as uh, as someone who knows and doesn't know yeah about all the trauma um because it's like one of those because you get affected. Yeah. And like even if you don't really know what happened, but I guess like not physically to your person, but to your things. I wonder if it would you know what I mean? Or maybe it was really I, fun. or maybe like he had moved and they just like he had gotten rid of like the Polaroids. Those Polaroids yeah. or Or maybe he didn't have a digital camera until that point and yeah. he doesn't like have if you have physical things, your wife will find it. But yeah. if it's on your computer, they're less likely to dig well, through your computer. Yeah, because he was in a separate home, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, maybe he had all a bunch of stuff and he got rid of it when he got his wife. Yeah. And then like so uh, Or maybe like when he got married, he like that was enough, like they I don't know what their sex life was like, but maybe what they did was enough for him initially, but then it became not enough. And it's not our fault because he's fucking crazy, but I'm just saying that. He probably needed a wife. Yeah. Like, men need to have a good wife at home. But he had a good wife. Yeah, but what I mean is that, like, men need to have the appearance, like, especially... I would assume for someone in his career where like, they're why, like, why are you single? Like, why don't you have a woman? So well, he probably, was married. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like he yeah. probably had to get oh, a wife. Not just to make it seem normal. Yeah. Like, so that he yeah. wasn't more of a fucking creep bag. Yeah. That's true. To, like the general public. Like you got to keep up, up, up appearances. Cause then he doesn't have to try to look like he's trying to date anyone if he's married and she's busy. So it's kind of worked out for him. Cause he yeah. can do whatever fuck he you wants. You can't suspect me of like doing all this shit. I've got this wife. Like, yeah. Who I see once a week. They don't need to know that. <laughs> okay, so a little bit about me is I really like old world stuff. Yes. So um, I know last week, wait, no. Two weeks ago. 
I know two weeks ago uh, I went back to like ancient, ancient times, ancient Greek. Uh, This time we're going to uh, be living in the 13th and 14th century uh, through the reign of Edward, King Edward II of England. So King Edward II of England was born on April 25th, 1284 as the 10th child uh, and fourth son to the reigning King Edward I and Eleanor of Castile. Like, 10 children. That means that a lot of people died before he took the throne. I mean, that was just... What? Because, you know, he's oh. not the first son, so a lot of people yeah. died. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the... Yes. Yes. Um, well, that's what they had to do back in the day. They were just, like, making making kids. But, I mean, they had a lot of girls, and I yeah. think that was probably one of the bigger Wait, issues. I think he said fourth boy. Yeah, so he was the why. fourth boy. Yeah. So... Uh, when Ellen, when, when Eleanor was born, <laughs> when Edward was born, uh, many contemporary prophets at the time believed that the last days of the world were imminent because, you know, it's, it's two, always, yeah, the end of the world's always coming. It's 2018 yeah. and we're still saying we're closer <laughs> to the end of the days than they were back then. <laughs> yes. We're closer. Uh, but we're still nowhere that it's not coming. Not anytime soon. Not in my lifetime. Definitely not in yours. If you're listening, hopefully, hopefully. Wouldn't I be wrong? Be, come back one day and tell me that you told me so. Like it's not worth it. I'd rather. I'd, I'd rather I, be wrong. I would rather be wrong. No, I would not rather be wrong. But I guess it wouldn't matter if I was wrong because I'd be dead and the world would be over. Like whatever. Our sun's gonna blow up. It's gonna happen. Well, if there's a zombie apocalypse, I wouldn't survive that either. So. Oh, I wouldn't say I survive a zombie apocalypse. I'd be part of the first ones that die. Yeah. I'd probably kill myself because I know I wouldn't survive. Well, I don't have a gun, so that's gonna help. Yeah. Okay, so the end of the, the last. They believed that the last days of the world were imminent, and they prophesied that young Prince Edward would one day be the new King Arthur, and he would lead England to glory and all sorts of this other greatness. So King Arthur isn't like fiction he's a real person. no king arthur was a real person <laughs> i believe so i'm going to confidently say that he is a real person um because he yeah i i think king arthur was a real person he probably did a lot of really great things and then he shoved a sword into that stone and said the next great king will be able to pull it and this is all fucking a fairy tale. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, this is a my story. Right. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. They prophesied the young king would be the new King Arthur and would lead England to d- glory with all sorts of greatness. But spoiler alert, <laughs> he didn't. No. <laughs> he was really shitty. Uh, he wasn't really shitty. Okay. Um, it wasn't like Marie Antoinette and everyone revolted. No, no. See, the... What attracted me so much to this story in particular is all of the propaganda that happened afterwards um, that really sort of rewrites history. And you, it's hard to really know, like, kind of what happened because it's back in the 1200s. Well, it's going to happen 1300s. now. Yeah. Like, for sure. We're, we're changing history now. Yeah, we're going to. This is history according to Stephanie in 2018. Uh, so Edward became their heir apparent at only four months old following the death of his older brother, Alfonso, who died at age 10 after falling ill. And, uh, so yeah, the two older brothers had already died, uh, where Alfonso was the heir apparent and then Alfonso died and Edward becomes heir apparent, like Mm -hmm. four months old. And regardless of this, by all accounts, Edward had a pretty normal childhood. He was interested in horses and horse breeding, became a good rider. He also really liked dogs with a fondness for greyhounds in particular. 
the letters that they that he wrote portrayed him as having a quirky sense of humor and often joked with his friends, which, I mean, typical teenage young boy What kind shit. of friends do kings have? I mean, you're in court. Like, he's, he's a prince, right? Yeah. So you'd be in court. Um, and you'd just... have to do court things and then the war. Because yeah. it is the 1200s. So yeah, you'd sure. have your battalion. You'd have a lot of friends. I would Because... You'd ha- you'd be stuck with all the other kids of everyone else in court that were like the handmaiden or like the knights and stuff of the parents. But I mean, like, if you already have like this hierarchy of like, but I'm gonna be your king one day. Do you end up like Joffrey? Is that what happens? I don't know. I mean, probably not. I mean, all kings are told that they're gonna be king one day until their brothers advocate the throne and then all this random shit and then happens. they die <laughs> and then they die and then they die. But I mean, that'd be like saying that Prince Harry and uh, Prince William. They didn't have friends when they were growing up, and they most definitely did. I feel like it's different nowadays, though, in comparison to back then. Because it's like, no. the, isn't like the caste system so different in comparison? No, because you would still have your royal court and your regime and all of that. So, in and cousins and, yeah, yeah. and all of and all of that jazz. Uh, but anyway, so he had a pretty normal childhood. He grew up to be very tall and muscular, and was considered good looking by the standards of the period. Which <laughs> this was this was back in the thirteen hundreds. People didn't, like, who really knows what they look like, but I imagine that they didn't look very good because they, I mean, they were all inbreeding. Yeah, well, yeah. The the royal family was... I feel like you would have to be very pale, and you would, yeah, because, like... There was just a lot of, like, now the historians can are looking back and being like, oh, no, this was, like, probably from their, all the inbreeding, like, all of the weird, like, a lot of them had, like, cleft faces. Yeah. And a lot of disfigurements. So maybe of, he didn't have the disfigurements, and that's why he was yeah. a pretty um, normal-looking kid. By all accounts, uh, Eleanor and Edward weren't related. So it's very possible that, um, sorry, King Edward I and Eleanor of Castile weren't related. So it's very possible that Edward had better genes, like, had some attractive genes. Good. Um, he had a reputation as a competent public speaker and was known for his generosity to the household staff and overall just being very, very kind. Um, beginning in the 1300s, uh, Prince Edward accompanied his father on a bunch of campaigns to pacify Scotland because from, because in, uh, 1296, King Edward, uh, invaded Scotland, and from 1296 to 1328, Scotland and England were in a war. So during this time, Edward meets Pierce Gaveston, and Pierce Gaveston is is just so dreamy. He's the best. He's the son of an English knight uh, in King Edward's battalion. He's like Lancelot, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Who joins Prince Edward's household after the king asks him... uh, who then joins Prince Edward's household and the king asks him to be a role model for his son. So he was like super impressed. Uh, King Edward was super impressed by Pierce's role um, in the army. Like he was doing a bunch of sort of shit with uh, everything that was going on. He's like, hey, you know what? You'd be a really good role model for my son. So I'm Mm going to have you come over. Come be my friend. Come be my son's friend. Mm -hmm. uh, And we'll take good care of you. Uh, The two become very close. So much, in fact, that it sparked a lot of rumors that they were in a homosexual relationship, which, I mean, 
they probably were. Was it looked down upon back then? Because you know, like in yes, Greece, Catholicism, it wasn't. Catholicism oh. was like the church had a lot of control. Yeah. So, um, rumors started started uh, coming about that uh, they were in a homosexual relationship, um, which I don't personally like. It's I don't look at it like it's a big deal, but at the at the time, it was. It would have been a big very, scandal. Yeah, back it in those was days. a very, very yeah. big scandal. Um, now, spoiler, kind of uh, the homosexual the homosexual relationship may have all been propaganda that came afterwards. Mm-hmm. That was that kind of like fueled. Um, so, because there's a little bit of uh, discrepancy with everything. Um, the first specific suggestion that Edward engaged in sex with men was recorded in 1334. Uh, 13 years after uh, King Edward had died. When Adam Orleton was accused of stating in 1326 that Edward was a sodomite, although Orleton defended himself by arguing that he had meant that Edward's advisor, Hugh Dispenser the Younger, was a sodomite rather than the now late king. Orleton's allegations were at least in part politically motivated and are very similar to the highly politicized sodomy allegations made against Pope Boniface the Eighth and the Knights Templar in 1303 and 1308. Like it was, sodomy at the time was a really big thing. Mm-hmm. If you were accused of being a sodomite, it was a huge thing. The church had a lot of power. The Pope had a lot of power, um, and so people kind of used uh, homosexuality to sway uh, certain things to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, alternatively. Uh, Edward and Pierce may have simply just been really good friends. A lot yeah. of, uh, he, they could have been, uh, some people said that they had adopted like a brotherhood, mm-hmm. uh, which is again, very possible. Uh, but most accounts of his homosexuality can be traced to Orleton's original allegations and were certainly adversely colored by the offense at the end of Edward's reign. So it's possible that he was a homosexual, but it's possible that that was all just propaganda made up to kind of shit all over him and ruin his name. Mm-hmm. However, because such historians um, have argued that the public nature of the royal, of the English royal court would have made it ultimately unlikely that any homosexual affairs would have remained discreet because neither the co- contemporary church or anyone in Edward's family ever appeared to have made an, a comment about Edward's sexual behavior. So basically there was nothing ever stated prior to this one dude that got charged with calling the king a sodomite. And because, like, the church had such a role, the church would have been like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do this. But, I mean, he's also going to be king, so it wouldn't they matter. To, they nope. wouldn't care. They wouldn't care. Well, if it's only one guy, it's very hard to... Yeah. Yeah. So... The reason why some of the rumors started coming about, or King Edward was having, he was having none of it. And apparently after some huge fight, the king apparently, quote, pulled his son's hair out in great handfuls and then exiled Pierce to Gascony. So the actual reasons for the exile remain unclear. However, the official court records show that Pierce was only temporarily exiled and was given a very comfortable stipend to live on. Because of this, historians believe that this was an act to punish the prince. Mm-hmm. So my mindset is, like, it's very possible that if they were in a loving relationship because Prince Edward was going around court calling Pierce his favorite. Mm-hmm. 
he's my favorite. They were inseparable. They were always How hanging out was together. He? Um, at this time, he would have been because if he's like adolescent, then that's normal. One T. It's not really. Yeah. He was born in '84, and um, yeah, he would have been about 20. Yeah, because he would have been in the war uh, with, or he was uh, in the Scotland War. So it might he have would been have really been really hard to find friends, like really true friends too. Yeah. Um, so well, even if they were, uh, which isn't a big deal, but. Nowadays, it's not a big deal, but back then, it was the big deal. So the king was probably like, hey, you know what? You can't see this dude anymore. Yeah. And he was probably like, I love him. He's like my I best friend. I love him. You yeah. can't take him away from me. But the king was like, no, he has to go. So the rumors were causing a problem. So if it was true, um, I feel like more, like, there would definitely have been more news about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really wasn't an explanation as to why he... Why Pierce was exiled just the first to, time? I think it was just to you know make yeah it, like make the rumors go away yeah. and hope that like we stop being like that or whatever. Yeah, and the, the and that's probably why he was paid a lot of money. Yeah, because he was probably but we're not doing anything. Yeah, and he was like, like, you know, what, we'll give you a lot of money and just you go just away go right now. Here. Yeah, but either way, on July seventh, thirteen oh seven, King Edward the first died, and only a mere thirteen days later, Prince Edward was proclaimed king. And a month later, he abandoned the campaign to occupy Scotland, returned south to England, where he promptly ordered Pierce to be brought back from exile, made him the Earl of Cornwall, and arranged him, arranged for him to marry the beautiful and wealthy Margaret de Clare. Okay, yes. Yeah, so his dad dies, and he's immediately like, yeah, I'm no like, longer need... doing this war that you started, and I'm going to call Fuck my boyfriend everything. back, yeah. and uh, then I'm going to make that him... But, I mean, I can see why it was a problem during that time period. Then I'm going to get him to marry this woman so that people won't think that we're, like, And a very beautiful woman, so you don't have to worry about With a lot of money. Yeah. With a lot of money. Um, In 1308, uh, the new King Edward marries Isabella of France, the daughter of a powerful king... Sorry, the the daughter of the powerful King Philip IV as part of a long-running effort to resolve the tensions between the English and the French crowns caused by his father. Edward's control of Gascony created tensions with the French king. The French insisted that the English king should give homage to them for the lands. English king saw this demand as insulting to their honor and the issue remained unsolved for several years. So basically for many, many years, France was like, we own Gascony. Mm -hmm. And England was like, no, we own Gascony. And then they were fighting over this one little piece of land for like so long. Edward II was like, you know what, maybe we can tie this up a little by merging our families. And then we're going to take Gascony. And you're just going to be like, sorry, French. Edward II was also facing increasing opposition from his barons over the taxation and requisitions required to resource his war and left his son in the debt of amount of 200,000 euro when he died. So the, the country was in debt because of this Scottish war, uh, which is also why King Edward II or, uh, was like, you know what, we're not going to do the Scottish War anymore mm-hmm. because we're in debt. My it dad left goddamn me. Yeah. too much money. The, my dad left me with all this shit. So he had hoped that the marriage would strengthen his position in Gascony and also bring him some funds to take the country out of debt. However, uh, Edward and or King Edward and King Philip didn't really like each other. No. Uh, and the French king drove a hard bargain over the size of Isabella's dowry. 
and the details of the administration of Edward's lands in France. And as part of the agreement, Edward uh, gave Philip a title and agreed to complete the implementation of the 1303 Treaty of Paris, uh, from what I understand was just passing the ownership back to England mm -hmm. after the French took it, after the English took it from them. Oh my God. And at the time, Isabella was only 12, uh, which was really young by the standards. Um, even then. Even then. Which was really weird because it must have been like a couple hundred years later where it actually did become the standard yeah. for them to marry between 10 and 13 and then became out of the standard again when once you get a little bit, little bit closer to our current time. Uh, but she was a little too young, so she couldn't have kids. Maybe that's why, though, because she didn't go through puberty yet. What? Like, because she couldn't have kids, that's why she was too Yeah, young. It, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so their first son, Edward III, was born in 1312, um, which was uh, four years after they had married. Um, and then they were followed, that was followed by three more children, John, Eleanor, and Joan. Uh, King Edward also allegedly fathered a bastard son, Adam Fitzroy, who was possibly born as early as 1305 to possibly 1310. Mm -hmm. Um, not much is known about him other than he was listed as Ad Filio Domine Regis Bastardo, which translates to Adam, the bastard son of the Lord King in Edward II's wardrobe account of 1322. So basically there was like, the two, the two of them went off to some battle mm -hmm. and on one tiny little line in paper, it that's all that was written and people were like, oh, he had a bastard son. Good. And then that's all there is. We don't ever hear about Adam ever again. <laughs> Let's go back to Pierce. So while Edward was off getting married, getting ready to marry Isabella, uh, and that was taking a really long time, he basically left the kingdom in control in the hands of Pierce. And the parliament and the barons and basically everyone else in the government, initially, while they initially accepted it, they quickly grew angry after Edward had returned home and it appeared that Pierce continued to have excessive influence over royal policies. Because basically... He had King Edward, who was the king, but Pierce was the one that was going around more or less running everything. Yeah. So the theme about everything was that you had two kings, one in name and one in deed. Mm -hmm. And like King Edward was still going around being like, this is my favorite, this is my favorite. And um, yeah, Pierce was accused of stealing royal funds. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he was also accused of stealing Isabella's wedding presents. Um, because he apparently pissed, they apparently, the two men apparently pissed off a bunch of people because at the wedding, uh, Edward wasn't hanging with Isabella at oh. his own wedding. He was off with Pierce, again, fueling the rumors that they were a little bit more than just mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. Um, because he, Edward didn't really want to spend time with Isabella. Yeah. Uh, so... Parliament starts to get heated um, because the barons want Pierce gone and Edward's like, hell no, he's my favorite. Mm -hmm. I love him so much. You can't take him from me. I'll rather get rid of you guys. He's mine forever. Uh, the barons are all like, well, fine, but we're not going to do any government shit and we're not going to approve anything for you uh, until Pierce is gone. 
So months go by and the parliament is like fighting with the king and nothing's really happening. And just when it seems like things are about to get resolved a little bit, parliament begins to demand once again that for Pierce to be exiled, but this time is supported by Isabella and the French monarchy. Uh, for a really long time, Edward resisted, but eventually he gave in and exiled Pierce to Aquitaine under the threat of excommunication by the Pope. However, at the last moment, Edward changed his mind and sent Pierce to Dublin and appointed him the, as the lieutenant of Ireland and then basically went to work to find a way to unexile, unexile Pierce again. Again, of course. So they were like, you got to get rid of this guy. And he's like, okay, I will. Fine. I'll listen to you. For now. For now. But then he was like, oh, I'm not going to send him over to this shit town. That I'm not saying the Aquitaine's crap, but I'm not going to send him over to this place that you want me to send him. I'm going to go give him like a bigger title and I'm going to send him to Ireland where he can like go be happy. Yeah. So a year later in 1309, uh, Edward goes to the French monarch and offers to suppress the Knights of the Templar in England and to release a few French prisoners for them to agree to an exile Pierce. Um, then he goes to the Pope and he tells him that, hey, you know what, if you agree to not to cancel the excommunication of Pierce, um, then uh, it, would just, it would just really make me happy if you would just do this for me. Also promised a bunch of other things um, that Pierce's role in the English court would be at an end and that Pierce wouldn't have any say mm -hmm. over, uh, over anything. Clearly a lie. Um, and eventually the Pope agrees to annul the threat of communication, thus opening up the possibility of Pierce's return, which he did just a few months later. Pierce was back in England, and then King Edward was incredibly happy. So he, okay, so in order to placate the opposing barons, King Edward agreed to limit Pierce's power as a royal steward and the marshal of the royal household to regulate the crown's unpopular powers of forbearance and to abandon some recently enacted customs legislation. In return, Parliament gave him more taxes for the war for Scotland. It seemed as though they had come to a compromise. However, turns out Pierce is a fucking dick. And an no arrogant dick at this point because he has now been exiled twice and from England and came back twice. Why wouldn't he be arrogant? He yeah. knows that the king's always going to have his back. Yeah. Dude's walking around with a golden dick. Yeah. Like, he's just like, you can't tell me. You don't me know who the giver is. <laughs> he's. He'd have a very golden mouth or asshole. <laughs> yeah. You don't like, know. He, he, he's still walking around like on cloud nine, like no one can touch him. Because no one can. Yeah. And so he's off, you know, being a dick, trying to, like, run things. He's not sticking to the rule that he wasn't going to have any power. He's still walking around showboating and stuff like that. Um, and so the barons in the parliament are just, like, growing more and more tired. And so they petition the king to p abandon Pierce as his counselor and hire 21 ordainers for advice. And all I could think is they wanted to get rid of one dude and said, we'll give you 21 guys. Yeah. We'll give you 21 guys to listen to if you just stop listening to this one, one person. But that's his favorite. It's, it's his favorite. It's the one he loves. It's the one he loves. You it's can't the replace only one the he wants to listen love. to. No, you can't. So, um... They offer him the 21 ordainers for advice and to basically reform both the government and the royal household. Eventually, under a lot of pressure, uh, Edward agrees and then basically runs off with Pierce with their new army uh, to go attack Scotland again, which, spoiler alert, they lost. <laughs> basically because the Scots refused to uh, engage them in battle. Yep. 
then winter hit. They ran out of money. They ran out of supplies. They ran out of, like, everything. You just have to wait for winter. And then they forced Edward to return home again. And when they returned home, they realized, oh, shit, the government has fucking taken over. Oh, shit. You can't just leave your country and be like, oh, we'll be fine. Yeah. So Edward comes back to find those 21 ordainers had actually done their job, and they reformed everything. Uh, so much so that with the new ordinance, ordinances drawn up, Edward had almost no political power and no say at all in his kingdom. The ordinances of 1311 contained clauses limited, limiting Edward's right to war or to grant land without parliament's approval. And this was like their first steps to be like, okay, he's going to try to engage in war. And then he's like, if we... Um, if we try to exile again, he's probably just going to give this guy some land. Yeah. So they limit his ability to do that. Uh, it granted parliament control over the royal administration, meaning the parliament got to choose uh, who worked a part of the royal administration, obviously. Uh, and it abolished the system of priests and introduced a system to monitor the adherence to the ordinance. So uh, the system of priests is basically like, I guess they used to like take shit from mm-hmm. people, from, yeah. like, peasants and stuff like that, and they were like, we're not going to do this anymore. So it's closer to what it is now, right? Or yeah. just figureheads, but they don't really have a lot of power. Yeah. In addition, they also exiled Pierce again, this time with the instructions that he should not be allowed to live anywhere within Edward's lands, including Gascony and Ireland, and that he should be stripped of all of his tiles. And so off Pierce goes again. And where he goes... Nobody knows. It's like it's not recorded anywhere. Pierce doesn't really talk about it. He just kind of, it's suspected that he does go off to Ireland, um, but no one really knows. So in 1312, the following year, tensions are still clearly high. No one's happy. Maybe the barons are like a little bit happy because uh, they won. Mm-hmm. Um, but Edward definitely is not happy. And uh, it kind of starts a little bit of a civil war. Um, some of the barons start to team up with Edward's cousin, uh, the Earl of Lancaster to take over the throne. Um, Edward responds to this by revoking the ordinances and recalling his lover back to England. Yeah. Um, however, the barons have had enough. So the barons go back to the Pope, get him to change his mind. Pierce gets excommunicated and plans get put in place to capture Pierce before he flees back to Scotland. But you can see why this propaganda or whatever about them being gay yeah. is, it makes like, sense. There's you a big theme. You don't do this <laughs> just for like this, your best friend. Like I don't assume you you go through all the trouble for your best no. friend, but for someone you really love, yeah. you would. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So yeah, he, this is like, this is the third time Pierce has been exiled um, and his third time returning. But this time they're like, no, we're going to get the Pope. We're going to have the Pope to excommunicate him because if you excommunicate someone, I should have looked up what this actually means. Um, you're like, that's it. You're you don't exiled. even You don't even get buried, which is what ends up happening, which is really sad. Uh, so after a short siege, um, Pierce surrenders to the earls of Pembroke and Surrey on the promise that he would not be harmed. harmed. With him, he was found with a huge collection of gold, silver, and gems probably part of the royal treasury, which he was later accused of having stolen from Edward. But I think Edward gave him all this shit and was like, fucking flee, use this shit Get the fuck to out of here. supply yourself with the life that you need. Because at the same time, uh, King Edward and Queen Isabella also fled. 
Oh. Everyone was fle- fleeing, and they but they left without the jewels. Oh. Um, and stuff. So probably because they thought that they'd be able to come back mm-hmm. um, after a time, or they, you know. Edward was probably like, "Hey, let's like go to France. You're you're still wealthy. Yeah, like, you're, you still got your shit." Um, so he was taken. Uh, Pierce was then taken into custody um, and was attempted to be transported back to the South to be held uh, for his crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the Earl of Warwick took uh, this opportunity to seize and um, took to seize Pierce kidnap Pierce and he was taken to Warwick Castle uh, where the cousin, that Lancaster cousin um, and some others were assembled and then after a brief trial Pierce was declared guilty of being a traitor under the terms of the ordinances and he was beheaded on Black Low Hill the following day by the Earl of Lancaster. Good. Yeah. And then his body was left there for weeks. Because he was excommunicated right? yes he was excommunicated so apparently some like monks or something like that or some peasants came and found him and they tried to like take him to or they brought him into like the town and then i think like the king of wherever that was was he like, had to have also, get him the fuck out of here he had to have also known that like he was starting a lot of shit by coming back all the time too oh yeah he definitely knew for sure um so he, it was like months, I think it was like three or four months, um, before he was properly buried. Um, and they had to like find some like lobby, like church that was willing to do it because he was excommunicated. So that was, that was a big deal. Uh, Edward was obviously furious and deeply upset. Um, when he found out about uh, the what he perceived as the murder of his favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and he intended to take revenge on all the barons involved, uh, thus beginning several years of armed confrontation and the promise of a civil war. Um, Edward again tried to invade Scotland in 1314, but English forces were defeated and widespread famine followed and more criticism of the king's reign mounted. So basically the beginning of the end started falling. Mm-hmm. Like Ed- Edward was just not having a good day. He wasn't gonna having a good year. Um, he was lonely. He probably like he was probably super heartbroken, and he was just making bad decisions. He and lost his best friend. Yeah, making or love. his lover, whatever. Or his lover, his best friend. We'll just say this is his best friend. You can yeah. love your best friend. Uh, opposition to the monarch grew, and Isabella was sent to France to negotiate a peace treaty in 1325. However, while she was there, she turned against Edward and refused to return. Good. And, I mean, when you look at the shit, like, the rap sheet, like, he cheated on her. Most of his friends, uh, most of her friends were affected after the loss in Scotland. So, like, most of her household had been arrested. They seized most of the land. And worst of all, Edward took away her children and gave custody of them to his new advisor, Hugh Dispenser's wife. So, he doesn't think that he'll piss off his wife if he does that? I don't know, because I don't know if he took, if she if he took the kids before she went to France mm-hmm. or like, After. and then she refused to come back and, that's and then, why he, and did then it. he was also yeah. like, if you don't fucking come back here, I'm you're not seeing kids. your kids anymore. Yeah. So it sounds like a petty thing he would do. Yeah. So. And he probably did. He was yeah. probably just like, Hey, you know what? You're not here to take care of your kids. Fine. I'm giving them to this guy. Exactly. So Hugh Dispenser became his new, uh, advisor. And the two of them went and wrecked up a bunch of shit. They were just dicking around, being dicks. I didn't really talk too much about their time together because it was 
dumb. <laughs> Isabella allied, allied herself uh, while she was out um, with a man named Roger Mortimer. Mm-hmm. And the two of them, uh, with a small army, invaded England in 1326. After five months, Edward's remaining army surrendered. Isabella and Mortimer quickly took revenge on the former regime, killing most that opposed them, including Hugh Dispenser, the man who had her children. Yeah. Uh, he was declared a traitor and sentenced to be disemboweled, castrated, and then quartered. Did she get her children back then? I imagine she did. I hope so. Well, actually, no, she did. Um, however, th- because there was no established procedure yet on how to remove an English king, unsure of what to do, the parliament suggests that the king should be replaced just by his own son. So they go to King Edward, and they're just like, hey, we want you to resign. Mm-hmm. And if you resign as the monarch, we'll let your son succeed you. But if you don't do that, no one is like, we'll just find someone else to be yeah. king. Like, your family's done. We'll mm-hmm. toss him out, and we'll probably kill each kid. Yeah. In tears, Edward agrees to abdicate, and on January 21st, 1327, a proclamation was sent to London announcing that King Edward II, now known just as Edward of Carnarvon, Carnarvon? I'm not going to be able to help you yeah. with that, so I'm not even going to look at it. Edward of somewhere was freely... Carnarvonland. Yeah, Carnarvonland. Had freely resigned his kingdom, and that Prince Edward III had, would succeed him. So yeah, so... Uh, Prince Edward III was now king. Some people were opposed to this new government and they planned to free Edward, um, but Mortimer had moved him to a new location and was kept in the company of Mortimer's son-in-law, who was paid $5 a day for his maintenance. Now, do you think he was treated very well? Well, Oh, super well, obviously. It's unclear, uh, how well he was cared for because on the record it shows that lots of luxury goods were being bought on his uh-huh. behalf. And, but some chronicles suggest that he was often mistreated. Probably. Probably. Like, people were probably like, you know what, we're going to beat this dude. Um, and then we're just going to be like, oh, we need like rabbit skins for the prince. Yeah. For, or for the king. The I old need king. golden goblet encrusted with emeralds for <laughs> the king. So on September 23rd, 1327, King Edward III was informed that his father had died at Berkeley Castle during the night of September 21st, two nights prior. Most historians agree that Edward did die at Berkeley on that date, although there is a minority view, which I'll talk about later, uh, that states that he died much later. Edward's death was uh, suspiciously timely as it simplified Mortimer's political problems considerably. So it was just like... Oh, hey, you know what? I already have him captured, Mortimer, the the w- wife's husband affair. I don't know what was going on between the queen wife and this mm-hmm. dude, but they were together. They were having an affair. He had the king uh, or the old king, ex-king uh, hostage. Um, so they were like, he probably had him murdered um, on the orders of Mortimer, although it is impossible to be certain. Um, if Edward did die from natural causes, his death may have been hastened by depression following his imprisonment and probably the death of his favorite, his favorite person. Uh, so the rule of Isabella and Mortimer didn't last long after the announcement of King Edward's death. They made peace with the Scots in the Treaty of Northampton, but this move was highly unpopular. I don't know what was going on. I don't know much about like the, the war between the English and Scots, but it went on for a long time. And mm-hmm. sometimes they were in like for the war, and then other times they weren't for the war. Um, but 
whatever. They were not happy that they had uh, created this treaty. Uh, the relations the relations between Mortimer and the young king became strained, and in 1330, the king conducted a coup d'état at Nottingham Castle. He arrested Mortimer and his mother, then executed him on 14 charges of treason, including the murder of his father. So King Edward was like, he came in, and he was like, yeah, fuck this. Yeah. Uh, I don't like how you're really changing the story with my dad. I mm-hmm. think you may have killed my dad. I don't like what you're doing with my mom. I'm king now. You can get the fuck out. Edward's, Edward's government sought to blame Mortimer for all the recent problems, effectively politically rehabilitating the late king. So basically he went and was like, all of this shit is because of you. And my dad was the best. Yeah. And what the fuck's wrong with you? And then... For Isn't a that little while? But they're still doing that now. So, yeah. um, the king spared Isabella, giving her a generous allowance, and she soon returned to public life. Because I mean, he's that's his mom. He's yeah. not gonna like kill no, his mom. No, like he probably understands like her side of things because like dad yeah. was an asshole. Dad was an asshole. Uh, so the controversy rapidly surrounded Edward's death after Mortimer's execution in 1330 because rumors began to circulate that Edward had actually been murdered by Isabella and Mortimer at Berkeley Castle. Stories began circulating that Isabella and Mortimer had a horn pushed into King Edward's anus through which a red-hot iron had been inserted, burning all of his internal organs without marking his body, Thus, because, like, his body had no markings on it. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, how did he die? There's no, like, cause for his death. That but I mean, like, very inventive. It's the 1300s. People are, well, Isabella was killing people in some pretty inventive ways. So she was actually. Yeah, she was a, I mean, her kids got taken from her and then she went and invaded England. She was a badass. Yeah, she was, she was pissed and she was doing some stuff. Yeah. I know, um, like, it's really mean and to, like, like you know, give women more credit for being murderous and awful. But I mean, like when it's like a mother going after her kids and making sure, you know, you just, you feel for her. And we're talking about a woman who, if the rumors are true, her husband was having an ongoing affair affair with a man in public view. Yeah. Like, and having bastard children and having a bastard child. Um, again, possibly like, and it's just like she she was probably embarrassed. She probably had to deal with a lot of stuff. And yeah, she was angry. Mm-hmm. She was real angry. Mm-hmm. Um, so however, chronicles in the mid-1330s and 1340s spread this count further. So basically it was like long after he had died, mm-hmm. all these rumors. I mean, you must be so – there's no like – imagine like – just like there's not really that many books. There's not really anything else to do besides create rumors and sensationalize everything. So I get it. But I mean, at the time where people sensationalizing things yeah. to sensationalize them, like we sensationalize things now. Yeah. And we have other sources of entertainment. Yeah. Imagine how bored they are on their mundane lives. And it's like, you well, know they what? Wait, mundane great. lives. They have to do so much shit. We're like, but you don't it, work is mundane. You don't want, yeah, it's like, they're, they're Kings and Queens. They're yeah. not working. No, but I mean like the other people who are making up these rumors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from, what I understand, it was like I think Mortimer was the one that may have been spreading the rumor. Oh, um, but I mean, it's 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 kind of hard to like. No one really knows. It was just a story that started getting spread, um, and then it 
became incorporated into most of the histories of Edward II, typically being linked to his possible homosexuality. Oh. Uh, most historians now dismiss the account of Edward's death, querying the logic in Edward's captors murdering him in such an easily detectable fashion. But it was like it wasn't an easily detectable fashion mm-hmm. because, uh, like, he... First of all, he died on one day, and then, like, four months later, they had the funeral because, like, his son was busy, mm-hmm. the king was busy, and the king wanted to have, be there for the funeral. Yeah. So it's not like, like, his body was just left there. And yeah. at the beginning, they were like, there's no really real reason that he would have died. From all accounts, that he was being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Anyways, there's another set of theories surrounding the possibility that Edward didn't really die in 1327 um, at Berkeley Castle because there was a letter that was sent to Edward III by an Italian priest named Fieschi who claimed that Edward escaped Berkeley Castle in 1327 with the help of a servant and ultimately retired to become a hermit in the Holy Roman Empire. The body buried at the Gloucester Cathedral was said to be that of a hermit Sorry, it was said to be that of a per- porter, blah, of a porter of Berkeley Castle, killed by the assassins and presented to him to Isabella, um, and was presented to Isabella as a way to avoid punishment. So basically, they were like, "Well, we have to give him a body. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll give him this body and just say that that's who it is, mm-hmm. because nobody saw. Like it was just word got to them that mm-hmm. he had died on this day, and then the body showed up three months later. Mm-hmm. So. Some people are saying that because of this letter, uh, it's often linked to an account that Edward III meeting a man called William the Welshman in Antwerp in 1338 who claimed to be Edward II. So you have this one letter, and then there's a second letter that kind of backs up the original letter. Mm -hmm. So a few historians uh, kind of believe that he didn't actually die there. Thus, he didn't actually die by having a heart rod stuck up his butt yeah um and thus meaning he, he probably wasn't gay um but now nowadays on like current media and like in um what was the movie with mel gibson braveheart braveheart uh he was portrayed very very homosexual in braveheart to the part to the point where it actually offended a lot of people were angry about the movie because it was feeding a storyline that hadn't been proven. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were really angry. People are really still angry about how uh, King Edward II is still portrayed as a homosexual in current time, even though there's nothing to back it up. And it's all leads down to one guy that said, Hey, yeah, I may have said this, but actually I was talking about this other guy. Yeah. So, and that is the death of King Edward II um, of England. <laughs> Great story. Eh? But yeah, that's my that's my old king death. Who I mean, it was so weird. Like he would go, his boyfriend would get exiled. He'd go to Scotland, come back from Scotland, unexiled his best friend, favorite person, his favorite person, and it was just like this, like. Exile Scottish War, Exile Scottish War thing that was going on that I was just like, wow, this shit is crazy. All right, well, that's it for this episode of People Keep Dying. We'll see you next time, please.
Bye. <laughs> Please. <laughs>